From the Balboa Island Clubhouse in Newport Beach, California, and on location, this is Living the Dream Balboa Island, where we showcase extraordinary people, businesses, and regional history that influence the beauty and civility of our world-class coastal community, hosted by yours truly, Tom Dioro. Today, we're honored and excited to be joined by Linda Baraka Howard. Linda has a long history on the island and lives here as well. She's also the founder of Kingdom Builders International Ministries. Her focus is to help the less fortunate globally with a focus on Baringo County, Kenya, where they began funding and building churches, water wells, and rescuing girls who needed to escape families who were facing female circumcision and arranged marriages. Feel free to check out their website at kbinternationalministries.com. That's kbinternationalministries.com. Hello, Linda. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you so much, Tom. It's so great to be here, and I'm very honored and humbled to be speaking with you. Well, thank you very much, Linda. Uh, I really appreciate you being here. Linda, can you share with us a prayer or a quote that really matters much to you in your life? I think going back to my childhood, the golden rule has always been something that I followed. So do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Um, as a child, as an adult, a young adult, um, and even now um, with my newfound Christianity, uh, that still follows. It is, you know, one of the um, verses in the Bible as well. It's just a more generic form of it, but it is always how I've lived my life. Um, and even now then with Kingdom Builders International Ministries that my daughter Jamie and I have co-founded, um, that is right in step with the way I've always felt. Share with, share with your audience today how you um, have your connection with God. Well, um, I, I raised myself Presbyterian, and I say that because my parents didn't go to church, but I went to church with um, fam, uh, friends, and um, I then hit a rough patch where my grandfather died, and I questioned God. So... Um, for 50 years, I had not uh, accepted God into my life. However, let's fast forward 50 years. I found out that God has been walking alongside me my entire life. Um, even when I didn't accept him, he's been there guiding me. And about three years ago, my daughter and I, Jamie, um, she first um, found God. And because she was having such um, an emotional impact and a positive impact, I said, you know what, I want to see what she's feeling. And I jumped in and I started doing Bible studies um, and really found the Lord. And um, about a year ago, my daughter and I, uh, through prayer, sold a property. And we hadn't been successful in selling that property, but we decided, you know what, we're going to put this at the foot of God. We had both come to a point in our faith that we realized putting uh, things to God, He can work miracles. And sure enough, with the prayer that we did, He delivered... Um, the selling of the house within a week and we amassed more than we could have hoped for and so we at that point in time said this extra money is going to be kingdom finances 
and that was where Kingdom Builders International Ministry got started. Not right at that point, but we decided, what are we going to do with this money? And my daughter, with her connections, uh, found people in Kenya. We also helped some people in Pakistan uh, with the flooding that occurred. And with that, we then ended up focusing on Kenya and found out uh, that there is such a need. And she um, met up with an evangelist there that had a range over Barango County that people needed churches to be built. So that is where, uh, when Kingdom Builders um, International Ministries was started, that's where we have focused our efforts. Kingdom Builders, how did you come up with the name? Well, the kingdom and building his kingdom. We talk about a church and what is a church. It's not a building. It is the people of Christ. And so our mission is to build the kingdom of God one soul at a time, through providing, as we're finding now, living water, uh, which is Christ's word, God's word, as well as physical water in the cases that it's needed. Um, and that's, again, what we're doing. So also I have a little aside, KB uh, are the initials of my grandsons or her grand or her sons uh so uh kb has more personnel relationships so that's why kb international ministries is our um website how'd you choose kenya my daughter um has always been a traveler and uh She's traveled all over the world, which I know God has set her up for this, to be doing what she's doing, because she has the ability to want to go to places like this. I'm a little more laid back or, you know, set back, and it's not something that is much on my heart, but she was a traveler. And God put it on her heart, Kenya has always been where she wanted to go as a little girl. I mean, I can attest to when she was talking as a little girl before she ever found God. I'm going to Kenya someday. And as all of this developed and she had connections with her ministries, because realize we were doing this during COVID, uh, she was doing uh, connecting with ministries on uh, Zoom and found people though that were in Kenya. And that's where Kenya came from. Um, I have always, as a bucket list, have wanted to go to Africa. I'm an animal lover. That is my passion. Um, I even worked as a docent. I, I'm still a part of it, but Kingdom Builders has taken my time at PMMC, Pacific Marine Mammal Center, rescuing the sea lions and elephant seals that are around here. Um, I'm always calling in, uh, finding birds or animals or whatever. But again, I was a zoologist, so animals are my love. So, um, you know, that's where my passion has always been to rescue. Um, I now am finding that rescuing uh, the people that need help more than even just the churches and Christianity, there's more to it than that, um, than just building a church. What do the uh, government, either what do you call them, officials or leadership in Kenya feel for your involvement coming from the states? Uh, we are working with the government on, in some instances, we are working with ministries that are already on the ground. Um, you know, people have said, well, why don't you just contribute? Well, there's nobody 
working in Baringo County, where it is so arid, it's a volcanic community. Um, they are nomadic tribes. So we are, as we are working forward, for instance, with the FGM, with the girls that are being forcibly circumcised, um, we'll be working with a government agency to help perhaps build even a shelter for these girls. Right now, what we've been able to do is rescue the girls by either giving them tuition or paying for the tuition that they've needed to stay in a boarding school. So they are away from the family, they're getting educated, and they are safe. And the, how they got there was through pastors that are on the ground there. So we're working with them. And again, as I said, with the government, we will be working with them as well, have contacts with how we're going to proceed with that, as well as we're working with the permits to get the well. We had a geologist go out to one specific area. It's uh, Chemwadi. That's where this community is, and the geologist has gone there, and we have a 75-page geology report and working with and well companies and ministries to be able to start drilling, hopefully soon. And we, the water, share with the, your audience what we talked about, that their water, what you say, green It's water? green. Um, okay. My daughter, uh, Jamie, was fortunate to, she just got it put on her heart, I need to go now. And so before our first fundraiser, uh, she went to Kenya and met with the pastors that um, have started doing the evangelizing and we've been communicating with that we need to build churches. And again, that was the, the first um, step. And we have, or are in the process, one is built. In fact, that community was able to... Um, celebrate Resurrection Sunday in their new church instead of being branch churches of the church that they had, which was flooded because the rain finally came. They were able to celebrate um, Resurrection Sunday in there. But when my daughter went, one of the things she found with the people, they were so welcoming and so warm to them and, uh, you know, celebrated with her being there. Um, but they then had buckets of water it was green. And that's what they're drinking because they drink the water from a dam that is drying up because Kenya has not had rain for, or had not had rain for six months straight. And so as the water was shrinking, the algae was building up and that's what they were drinking. Wow. And so it was put on her heart, we need to build a well. And so that's where a lot of our focus is going right now, but also meeting then girls who had run away because they did not want to be circumcised. Then we found out, sponsor a child. So that is one of the things we have on our website, that you can sponsor a child for a semester. So it's $200 a child for a semester of education that gets them away from their parents who want to forcibly circumcise them and then marry them off to an older member of the community. And then the family gets a couple of cows, a couple of goats. And that's the reason this is happening because they are so impoverished. So part of what the well is going to do, and again, a ministry that we're working with uh, that will help with rain harvesting is to then start irrig irrigation so they can farm, so they can grow crops, so they can, we can provide them with chickens and build coops for them so they can then have chickens with eggs. And these people then can feed themselves near this community 
hear the word of God. And then by hearing the word of God, even though FGM is outlawed in Kenya, it's still being practiced, but because we can bring the word of God to them and show them a better way, a different way. And again, we have to be careful. We can't step on their culture, but we have to show them there is another way uh, to be able to support themselves. Instead of marrying off their children, they can grow crops. They can harvest chickens and chicken eggs. And then they eventually not only be able to feed themselves, but then be able to sell that and then actually start a sustainable Christian community. And that now is what our goal is, as opposed to just, and not that there was anything wrong with just building a church, but we found out that it requires so much more. And that church now can become a school for the children because some of these tribes are nomadic and they don't stay stay in one place, so the children can't go to school. So there is so much to just this little bit of building a well and building a farming community for these people, it would change their lives. Fascinating. This is the Living the Dream Bubble Island podcast. We're talking today with Linda Baraka Howard. Feel free to check out their website at kbinternationalministries.com. That's kbinternationalministries.com. Do I have the website correct? Yes. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linda, how much of a culture shock is it coming from here to go to Kenya and to where? It, I mean, it is a major culture shock. Um, as I have mentioned to you, I grew up here. This was a community, a beach community, and I still look at it that way. But now that we see the million-dollar homes that are surrounding us, I am so blessed to be here. And my daughter had the... Um, was able to live here for a while. And the sh- she wanted, though, her children not to grow up in an area of influence or affluence as their only uh, source of this is the way it is. And she has taken them around the world to see. They haven't been to Kenya yet, but to see that people don't have what we have here. Kids here complain about the late not having the latest phone or the latest video game. The people in Kenya, for instance, they're lucky to have a little bit of food that particular day or maybe enough water to be able to drink. Um, So it's so stark. It's unbelievable. Um, And I will hope to have the same experience that my daughter did. Um, I've done some traveling. Um, I've been to Costa Rica and and lived with the the people there or visited with the um, the, the actual um, the people that live there, as opposed to as a tourist. I had both experiences. Um, so I have a little bit of understanding, but it's beyond my comprehension. Um, and we're so worried about, you know, again, not, when it was raining here, for instance, we were all grousing about we couldn't go out and walk or whatever. Oh, my, I, we have nothing to complain about. And that, and that's, you know, that's what's on my heart right now. And I, I would hope, you know, other people to see that, that it's just, you know, we are, we need to be so grateful and thankful for what God has given us and want to be able to try and give some of that to the people that are of, you know, of less need or have the need. Um, uh, I mean, it's just so stark. 
that level of, uh, I'll call it just for lack of a better word, entre- entrepreneurship that you're looking to instill in a, uh, the community that you're uh, serving in Kenya, how challenging has that been to shift the mindset? Well, I will say we're in the beginning stages of that. What I, you know, I mentioned that as that is our vision now to be able to get to that point. And we have a ministry that we are partnering with partnering with um, Christian Impact um, Ministry, or Mission, I should say. So CIM is how we know them, but uh, it's Christian Impact Mission. And um, one of the missionaries that works there, his job has been to go out and train the people. And what he does, his his, uh, uh, job is to go and find the champions, as he calls them. Uh, people that are in the village that seem to have maybe a knack for or at least more of an interest than some of the others. And then he will take them and train them to, and show them this is how it can be done. And there's kind of like a, um, you know, a, a project that is there for them to observe and see. You can plant this way. You can, you know, grow and harvest and you can have a, and the chicken. So there is a process that we are, again, start starting with partnership with this ministry to be able to bring that. So it isn't easy. It isn't we just walk in there and say, this is the way it's done. Nope, this um, this min, uh, minister knows how to go in and show the people this is how it can be done, get them excited, take them back then to their community, and okay, we can do this, and um, then get more people involved. And again, originally we were thinking, is this going to be just like a, a, a community center? And that's how it will start. But the point is that these people walk miles to get to the church. Realize they've been going to a church. It's a branch church in this one uh, community. We have built them a church that has a roof and sides and windows. And it's, you know, gives them, you know, covering for the elements, whether it's the sun or it's the rain. But the idea is then they will come here, learn the skills, and then they will walk it back to their smaller communities of where they're actually living, and then they can farm in that area. And so it will branch out. And again, the whole point is to make disciples of disciples. In other words, it starts with one and it will branch out from there. So whether it's the church or whether it's the farming, the idea is to have it snowball out from the community where the church is right now. And it's a vision that he has duplicated this multiple times. So we have seen the work that he has been able to do and he will show that work to, again, the champions within that community. So it's not an easy task. However, it's a doable task based upon we are making partnerships as we move forward. And that's the way that it needs to be done. On that word, partnerships, and go back to what you had said uh, earlier about a level of gratitude. How important is that gratitude in in the progress? God, this is all God that is doing this in terms of, and we pray about every decision that we're making. We lift it up to God that is this what we're supposed to be doing to have the right discernment and give him gratitude for every step of the way. And again, for Kingdom Builders International Ministries, it started with the gratitude of this is kingdom finances. And so that money that we've been able to use to start this and to start some of the projects, it's, it's all gratitude to God. 
Um, and it, we can't forget that. Um, and uh, the people that Jamie did go and visit there, even in Kenya, were grateful. We brought them um, Bibles. We brought them some art supplies from Art for the Nations, uh, which uh, Lisa Amblin here on the island is also involved in. Um, so again, another partnership. We took bags of art supplies so that the kids will actually have something. They've probably never seen any of the stuff that was given to them to be able to make some fun things. Um, so it, it's all about gratitude, and nothing can be accomplished in working and serving for God without that gratitude. Share your experiences on the island when you first arrived. Uh, I was so lucky to grow up here. My grandparents um, bought a place on Opal Avenue, and uh, for $4,500, <laughs> they had a little cottage in the front and then sand in the back. And after the war, my grandfather, who was an aeronautical engineer, he actually worked with Howard Hughes and then for Howard Hughes because of the, uh, the war and built airplanes for our endeavors. Um, but because he was the aeronautical engineer, he was able to build then the back apartment that was the... Um, most of the islanders here had a cottage or a smaller part that they lived in, and then they had probably an apartment area that then they rented out. And that's how they were able to afford living in, whether it was Pasadena, Sierra Madre, San Gabriel, you know, Arcadia. That's where most of the people are. Uh, not most, but a lot of, there was a, you know, there's a contingent of Pasadenians, et cetera, that were here on the island. And so when I came around... I spent the 50s and 60s running around the island uh, with lots of friends, just carefree and, uh, you know, playing kick the can or throwing water balloons at each other or uh, making, uh, as we called them, cannonballs. We, it's, there's the right way to make a cannonball that make, you know, and so there's a skill to that or drip castles. There's a skill to that. Uh, and just loving life and being free here. Um, I, uh, was able to, uh, my grandparents, as I said, rented a back apartment. And so it was my Saturday chore to go to the laundromat that's still here and wash the sheets and towels for the next group that would come through. So Saturday, that's how I would spend, you know, the the first part of the day, um, helping out. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was just, it was wonderful. And I'm so fortunate that my parents then kept the property after my grandparents passed. And my grand, my children, and now my grandchildren have been able to experience this uh, wonderful paradise, as we call it. And I'm now able to then spend, uh, you know, daily I walk the island and Little Island every day with my friends, uh, come almost rain or shine. Um, and I'm so just, I'm so blessed to be living here. It's, and I, you know, I, I, it's like I, it's still where I grew up, even though it's not. I still feel, um, you know, coming up over, you know, Jamboree Road, crossing PCH, and looking down and out and seeing Catalina Island to my right and the, you know, the pavilion in the center and out to the, the wedge and the jetty. It's just like a, a, a sense of relief and a high home. Um, so I'm lucky for the past now, um, almost 10, well, a little more than 10 years uh, being able to live on the island. 
Um, I took care of my parents in the last years of their life. Um, you know, they wanted to pass in their home, and I gave that to them. And so I am so blessed, though, now that I can now be living here as my home. This is the Living the Dream Balboa podcast. We're talking today with Linda Baraka Howard. Feel free to uh, check out their website at kbinternationalministries.com. That's kbinternationalministries.com. Linda, can you share uh, some, uh, maybe one or two of childhood experiences here on the island? Well, um, for instance, uh, we did all, well, what was Linda Island was uh, a just a spit of sand, and we would take my rowboat, and my grandfather called it the do for now, and we would row over to Little, Little Island, Linda Island, and uh, run around with the, uh, the uh, ice plant that was there, and uh, we would uh, just, you know, have just carefree, uh, we actually found a dead squirrel one year, and we buried the, and gave the little guy, you know, a little burial and, um, you know, funeral ceremony there. Um, but now look what Linda Island is. I mean, so, um, or I remember the Reuben E. Lee. It used to be there a little bit past Linda Island by the um, bridge that goes over uh, PCH, um, over the back bay. And I would spend uh, uh, my... Uh, birthdays there. That's no longer there. That was a masterpiece of, uh, you know, uh, it just a, it was a landmark. Um, walking up um, on the weekends uptown to go to, uh, you know, to eat dinner. Ah, oh, the Jolly Roger. That was my favorite place to go as a child, you know, have my little pirate hat you know, that was my menu. And then after, after dinner, we'd be able to go around to the corner of what Jolly Rogers is. It's now a room where people can sit. That used to be where the Frosties were. And, uh, you know, either getting up on uh, Saturday morning and going up to Dad's to get blueberry donuts or for a treat to go across on Sundays across the ferry to a bakery that's no longer there and get donut holes. Um, you know, uh, being at the fun zone and doing the bumper cars, used to love that. Um, and, the, you know, the fun zone was just a, a, a wonderful time. Um, uh, I grew up with knowing um, Dennis Vitarelli. Dennis Vitarelli is a builder on the island um, and you know, he, most of the houses, a lot of the new houses, the uh, unique ones are built by Dennis Vitarelli. Well, he was one of my uh, childhood chums. You know, he took me out sailing with him and, and so forth and would, you know, uh, play, I think is kind of a silly word, but, you know, hang out with, um, with us and so forth. But he built our house. He was, uh, it was the second house that he built. So um, it's kind of a connection there that my childhood, you know, friend, you know, built, you know, the family home. And the unique thing about our home is that I mentioned that my grandparents bought it with a cottage. Well, that part was taken down, but I also mentioned that my grandfather built the back apartment. That's still standing. So when Dennis built the house for us, we obviously tore down the cottage and put the newer um, building there, but he connected it to the property or the, to the, the, 
the apartment that my grandfather built. So the house is a mesh of, you know, new and old. And so the apartment is uh, now where family can stay. So it's, you know, a bedroom, a little living room, uh, dining room and kitchen and bathroom. So it's, you know, a good apartment for, you know, friends and family to, to come. And uh, so I still have that peace and, uh, you know, of my childhood that just, you know, brings back just, you know, wonderful, fuzzy, warm, fuzzy memories. So I'm so lucky with that. In contrast to uh, your experience growing up here and even now, how much different is it? Is the energy still the same? It's, I guess I blind myself to say that it is because that's what gives me enjoyment and not looking at, you know, the, the affluence that has come here. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. However, for me in my childhood, it's, I still look at it as vacant lots with, you know, sand. You know, my grandfather on Sunday mornings, we were able to take walks and we would go into all the new houses that were being constructed. Well, realize I'm saying new houses. Those are the cottages that are maybe some of them still standing. But in those days, there were no fences around the homes. You could walk in and because he was, you know, the aeronautical engineer, he would point out to me, you know, why this is like that or whatever. And I, I've, it's amazing I didn't become an engineer or an architect or something. But um, I am a, I'm a scientist. So, you know, that was imparted onto me, that part of of it, but um, it's it, it is a contrast. But I I try not to see it. I guess is what I'm saying, because I it's just the place that I grew up and have a wonderful childhood. And my my children had you know they could only do summers because I spent my adult life back in Illinois teaching. Um, but every summer and or sometimes Christmases during my children's childhood, we would come back here. Um, you know, again, I'm fortunate. I was able to spend every summer, you know, and every warm October or warm, you know, April or May to come down on the weekends um, and, uh, you know, um, be able to drive home and go to Knott's Berry Farm that, you know, was just a chicken chicken place with uh, an, um, an old-fashioned uh, town where I could do um, pan for gold. And it's not that anymore. Um, or Disneyland. I was just talking the other day with my friends about Disneyland. Remember the e-ticket? You know, um, I uh, I went to Disneyland every birthday of my life, just about, and even up until the last couple of years, continued to do that uh, kind of tradition. What would you like to share with your audience today, Linda, that uh, you may not have shared to this point in uh, your interview? I'm just so thankful to God that he came back into my life and that he preserved for me to be able to hopefully spend the rest of my life here and though to put on my heart to give back because I have been so blessed with my life. I mean, we've all had our ups or downs and I'm not saying my life has been perfect, but we don't need to talk about that in the sense that, you know, he's led me back here and now I'm, I'm able to give back to what he, the bounty that he has given to me. Um, you know, I, I've been, 
you know, a caregiver for my parents. Um, I'm taking care of my husband. Um, but look where I'm doing it at. I mean, I am so blessed. Um, I mean, I may have said that before, but I, that is what I would want to impart to anyone that is listening that, you know, I am so thankful for what God has given to me. And I am so thankful that he has made me a servant of him to be able to give back to those that are less fortunate, but doing it from a place of it's paradise on earth. Linda, it's been a real honor and pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much for being here. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to do this. Thank you so much. Thank you again, Linda. You've been listening to Living the Dream Balboa Island. Our guest today has been Linda Baraka Howard. Linda has a long history on the island and live here as well. She's also the founder of Kingdom Builders International Ministries. For more information, you can feel free to visit their website at kbinternationalministries.com. That's kbinternationalministries.com. Thank you for listening. And be sure to tune in next week. The Living the Dream Balboa Island podcast is recorded at the Balboa Island Clubhouse in Newport Beach, California, and on location. Our chief audio engineer is Eris Chikopoulos. Thank you for listening.